and justice for all. Good, uh, 
I was going to say good morning, America. Good afternoon, America. Good afternoon, the world. How is everyone doing today? I hope everyone's doing well, as always. Welcome to another edition of the C Report. I am your host, Mr. C, also known as Michael Aaron Gossidis, and we'll be doing it here for a couple of hours this afternoon as uh, we get into a little bit of news, information, views, point of views, you know, just a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Yeah, I actually had you know, a, a pretty full show ahead of you uh, f- for you guys today. Um, and, and as I was putting it together and kind of looking at all the different stories I wanted to get, because, you know, when I start to put like my stories together and things that I want to talk about, you know, of course, I'll, I'll have an idea of what I want to get out. And of course, if there's any new information or breaking information, now let's not forget, ladies and gentlemen, I do not break news here at the Sea Report. I merely share it, okay? And I don't make news either, because if I make news, I'm probably in jail, okay? So anyways, guys, so, you know, so that's the way we do it here at the Sea Reports. You know, when I'm deciding what stories I want to go through, you know, uh, there's a whole, uh, like, curriculum of, like, what I will decide makes it to the show. And anyways, for today's show, um, if you guys are considering some of the topics that I put out there for you all, uh, I started to realize this is probably going to be a thicker show than I expected to. I had a lot of different things I kind of wanted to get into. We'll see how much we can bar down for this afternoon. But for sure, uh, I ran into an interesting article that referenced the IRS whistleblower, you know, the one that everyone's currently talking about, right, uh, in regards to uh, the Hunter Biden family. And uh, as it turns out, it looks like we might have an incoming Clinton Foundation whistleblower. So I found this article on an international news website. We'll see how good it is. I mean, some people, I mean, when you guys see you, some people are going to be out there and they're going to be like, you can't trust that because Russia is the enemy. Anyways, okay, so I already gave you guys, I already gave a little bit away. All right, cool. So we'll definitely take a look at that. And then uh, the topic of the uh, Instagram pedophilia, we'll, we'll call it a ring, right? Uh, the topic of the Instagram pedophilia ring or racket or whatever's going on. I think that's just picking up. So we're going to talk a little bit about that and we'll, 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 journey a little bit into that uh, segment of unfortunate reality, ladies and gentlemen, uh, dealing with, of course, the pedophilia that they're finding on places like Instagram. And a lot of people are saying Elon Musk will be the only person who can stop pedophilia in this world. I don't know about that. But, you know, he is I mean, he is the one that brought it to actually he didn't even bring it to the attention of the people. If you think about it, it was the Wall Street Journal. But to be fair, on his platform, you know, it gets a whole lot more, it gets a lot more attention than it probably would at the Wall Street Journal, you know, and so that's interesting enough. I was going to start off talking about the Tucker Carlson incident, but you know, all of this has to do with censorship, right? Censorship, like what we got with uh, Tucker Carlson and Fox News and this contract, right? Where apparently, I guess, they were going to keep him on the payroll or something like that. And then, they, you know, I didn't really get into the details. I'm sure some of you guys probably know more about it than I do. I was going to go through an article, but then I realized like today's episode might be a little bit thick. Um, what I did want to do, first of all, ladies and gentlemen, and actually what I need to do now, as you guys know, uh, or maybe some of you all are learning, uh, the C Report, uh, it, it, uh, it airs daily. Um, and, uh, so if you are a member of the podcast audience, 
you are catching these shows after they've gone live. So now I am addressing the odd cast, uh, the odd cast. Ooh, I like that. The odd cast, right? Now I'm addressing the podcast. Excuse me. You know, hey, there's nothing wrong with being odd. I think weird people are usually the best kind of people. But anyways, now I am speaking to the podcast audience solely okay uh if you guys are catching uh, our podcast of the sea report it's the same version of the show just on podcast format i can't thank you enough if you would like to catch it live then you'll need to tune in to rumble.com and we're also broadcasting on pill.net and also at twitch.tv so we got a TV, we got a net, and we got a com, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, but the reason why I would say that is because, you know, uh, the uh, uh, host site that we put the C-Report on, uh, it was it used to be known as Anchor.fm, and then finally Spotify ate it up and bought it out, right? Well, you know, some of my audience members know that Spotify will cancel episodes without canceling the whole show. So, you know, they do they do a cherry picking type of censorship over at Spotify. So, you know, so that's why when it comes to choosing globalist, you know, um, apparatuses, whether that's like a Spotify or a YouTube, I'll take a, I'll take a Spotify over a YouTube because YouTube has ha had been mercilessly just killing anything, any work I did. You know, it actually, maybe it wasn't even like the YouTube people who were, or the algorithms that were hunting me. It was probably some hater on one of these networks that just reported every channel I did, even one channel on YouTube I had for over a decade that had no political content on it at all. It was all about like poetry and writing and, you know, because I'm a writer, right? So, I mean, it, it, I had videos of me doing book readings. I had videos of me doing poetry readings and all this other stuff, right? And poof, nuked, right? You know? <laughs> Because I'm not one of those, I'm not one of those writers that's like, roses are red, the United States government sunks, violets are blue, uh, election fraud is real. Uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not one of those writers when I'm doing stuff like that, that's real obvious, right? So like, you got to kind of like, figure out what the hell I'm trying to say when you start reading some of my personal writings. So I don't know what the heck that was all about. That's why I just won't use a YouTube, especially uh, when it comes to like, speech ladies and gentlemen maybe they just have like the alex jones speech recognizer uh tagged to my voice and maybe it wasn't a hater maybe they just don't like the sound of my voice anyways so uh again podcast audience thank you guys for being here but i did need to specify that because since i've been doing this almost daily again right um spotify has uh knocked off the latest two episodes of the sea report so now I got my podcast audience probably thinks that I am not even doing shows the last two days. Uh, look here, guys, take a gander at this. I like to share this. Inf I like to share this stuff with you guys. So here we are over at my personal uh, uh, Spotify account. And uh, as you can see here, uh, the last episode they have is episode 489 of the C-Report and episode 488. I mean, this is episode 492 today. Ladies and gentlemen, so they knocked off those two episodes. Uh, let's see here. What were those episodes? One might wonder. So episode number 490, uh, the title of the episode, and I'm pulling it up over at my Rumble page. Title of the episode is Trump Calls for Recusal of Judge. Election Fraud News, Wisconsin, Texas, Pennsylvania. And Katie Hobbs Allows Porn Shoots in Class. 
That's actually it, that was a, what two days ago, and it, for for my channel, it's one of uh, it's not the highest viewed videos, but in recent times, it's it's got you know it was probably that Katie Hobbs porn shoot like line in there that made people like click on that. Anyways, hey, and you know that's actually not, ladies and gentlemen, that's actually not uh, what do you call it clickbait? You know, there's actually a story that talks about that. And then uh, the other one that we had was yesterday's episode, and uh, that one I think was pivotal. Yesterday's episode was absolutely pivotal, right? Uh, we talked about uh, Texas leaving Eric. We talked about uh, the fraudulent election of 2022 in Harris County, Texas. Now, guys, when it comes to Harris County, well, when it comes to election fraud, I mean, every single episode I have that deals with election fraud, ladies and gentlemen, they take off Twitter. I mean, they take off Twitter. Oh, is that is that is that a, a sign of things to come? I mean, they they take off of uh, Spotify. So again, to my Spotify audience, if you would like to catch the show live or if you'd like to catch every episode, I recommend heading over to Rumble. Or if you are familiar with Pilled or Twitch, you can also find the C report there. But I did want to let you guys know about that before we begin. Okay, uh, into today's show, because that's just uh, that's just something, uh, you know, that's been kind of on the periphery. And now, as I mentioned, ladies and gentlemen, uh, yeah, I was going to start talking about the Tucker Carlson Fox News thing. It's, and, and what it all boils down to is a whole bunch of censorship. Um, you know, we talked about, uh, we mentioned briefly, I should say, uh, the um, uh, Tucker Carlson episode on Twitter uh, that aired, what, two days ago now? And, you know, and, you know I, listening to some of the feedback, I get it. Like, I wasn't totally... Um, uh, I, did, I was not totally amiss on the points when you going on about the UFOs. I mean, the whole point is, yes, ladies and gentlemen, that he's going to, it seems, uh, uh, be offering a battery of information that is totally, totally against what the mainstream, lamestream fake news media would typically say, the kind of stories that they would never touch, the kind of stories that they've kept uh, hidden from the people of the United States of America and also the world. I understand. So I get it, you know. Uh, but then, of course, there's this whole thing coming up with Tucker Carlson's breach of contract with Fox and, and all of those things, which just led to a whole bunch of different other questions, right? Um it's, to me, I kind of just see it as like a rearranging of the battlefield. Like they're just, they are just basically shuffling their players. I know guys, I'm a stickler, like I said. So you know what? I mean, Tucker Carlson has been part of the mainstream, you know, media for decades. I mean, he's been on CNN before. He's, he used to have a show there, all that stuff. So he's been part of the apparatus. Now I'm not saying that, you know, um, in the last few months to, last few years, he hasn't had a change of heart. He hasn't turned a leaf over. He hasn't had a change of mind. I'm not saying that at all. In fact, you know, uh, if we were to put Tucker Carlson, like in the Elon Musk uh, category for just a brief moment, you guys all know that with even with Elon Musk, when that man first came out and he was saying, I'm going to vote Republican and everybody on the right was all Elon Musk. And they were falling all over him because finally this billionaire had converted to conservatism and he was going to make everything better for Twitter. And what are we finding out now? OK, so, you know, now, like I'll say with the Tucker, you know, and Musk, you know, kind of conjointed um, analogy here, ladies and gentlemen, you know, the way I'm dealing with Elon Musk now and everything that he's doing is I'm just taking it with some gratitude. 
that we have some other people who are like not independent and who are not like, you know, alternative, who are actually getting some of this information out there. I think that that only moves uh, the narrative of free speech and a free people uh, forward. So, you know, I don't mind it. Right. And uh, that's why, like, you know, I haven't been as hard on Elon phrasing, right? Anyways, I haven't been as rough on Elon, you know, because um, even even with this whole uh, World Economic Forum, um, uh, Yo Yabu, who's come up, right? What is? I can't even remember the names, ladies' name. It doesn't matter, anyways. But uh, the point of the matter here is, guys, like when we're talking, and then we have this new stuff with Twitter that's coming out now. Like the algorithms are not exactly what. Uh, they say there was a look at the Twitter code, right? And, you know, it's funny, though. Like, I think I actually posted it. I, I uh, retruthed re it on my Twitter account. <laughs> I retruthed it on my Twitter account. Um, I can't remember who it was from. Uh, I, I'm, I'm not going to pull up my Twitter page now, guys. But if you want to, if you want, if you are on Twitter still and you want to uh, engage with the C Report, it's at the C Report. That's our handle. Um, so anyways. On Twitter, and I reposted it um, on on Twitter about uh, the algorithms, and it mentioned something like uh, it sounded like a social credit score. Honestly, like the algorithm, like figures out your reputation. It figures out how many people you comment on or reply to outside of your like social group. And I was like, oh, that makes that makes perfect sense because, you know, no wonder I'm getting no engagement. No, that's not the reason why. It's just because you no one knows who I am. But, you know, but I was like, the reason why I'm getting no engagement is because I make so many comments outside of my network. Right. Like, how do you even gauge that? Right. I guess if they're your friend or not your friend. And I was like, you know, but I mean, I'm not going to befriend Bette Midler just to tell her she's a pedophile. Right. So, of course, I'm going to comment outside my network. And <laughs> And those are those are the days of old guys. I don't I don't get on Twitter and call people pedophiles anymore, but I used to. Anyways, so uh, we'll we'll go ahead and hang the hat up on that one for the time being, ladies and gentlemen. As far as uh, Tucker Carlson is concerned, now the other thing is, ladies and gentlemen, because I do want to get this episode onto Spotify, so this way the podcast audience doesn't think I've uh, just totally gone away again. Um, another story that we will be covering today, actually, it's going to be the first story that we cover is going to be um, uh, some breaking information coming out of Maricopa County, Arizona. Yes, we're going to start with some election fraud news. We've got to start with election fraud news. This is the C report, and this is a big story. But I'm not going to put it in the headlines just to see, because I got to see, like, uh, is Spotify listening or are they just reading, right? So I'm not going to put in the headlines, right? Uh, the story on Maricopa County that we're going to jump into next, I'm simply just going to talk about the Clinton Foundation and Instagram in the headlines and see where that goes. OK, so anyways, guys, let's go ahead and jump into it. Let's get right to it. Let's hop to it. Let's not delay. I know you guys want to hear about the Clinton whistleblower information, and I'm pretty sure the topic of conversation around Instagram is not. Uh, I'm pretty sure it hasn't gotten stale yet. And actually, I got a little bit more with you you guys know how I do. I'm not usually satisfied with, with just a cover article. You know, I'll do a little bit digging where I feel it might help. So uh, let's go ahead. We're going to start with some Trump truths today, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to start with some Trump truths today. All right. Where is the rest of my world, ladies and gentlemen? <laughs> 
yet another aspect of the show that the podcast audience doesn't always get to engage in. That would be the visual aspect of the show, ladies and gentlemen. All right, there we go. Okay, so let's start with some President Trump truths. And uh, the first one is a short one. It goes like this. An American Association report in 2022 seemed to agree with Trump's assertion that guidelines support his contention that presidents have broad authority to formally declassify. We'll like that and we'll retruth it. Now, you know, ladies and gentlemen, we talked about the whole NARA incident like January two years ago, right? I think, you know, and I don't monitor all the news, but I can tell you back in like what? 2021, when uh, the whole NARA thing happened, uh, that's the National Archives, ladies and gentlemen, when they actually um, when they actually assigned a danger warning label, ladies and gentlemen, to the United States Constitution and the Bill of Rights because it was hate speech. We covered it here on the Sea Report, okay? Uh, no one was covering it back at the time, but it's okay. And then, you know, we had President Trump talk about it, and he was like, NARA, a radical woke leftist. We have frozen. Okay, we're back. We're back. Sorry, guys, we're frozen. Now we're back, right? You know, there's like a second hand of controllers on my workstation. We have frozen. Okay, there we go. Okay, we're, back. we're back. Okay. We're back. All right. Sorry, guys. Yeah, there is a second hand that controls my workstation. They think I'm stupid. Anyways, okay, it's okay. All right, guys. So uh, let's go ahead and finish what I was saying here about NARA. So then, you know, everyone started talking about the National um, Archives and how they'd gone woke. And then we had to deal with this whole thing that's been going on. Now, this statement is interesting. We talked about how, uh, I think it was two episodes ago, right? We talked about how uh, President Trump had declassified them, okay? And then we started seeing this, like, bevy of videos, all these, all of these anti-Trumpers, and and even the you know the republicans like uh, Stu peters no just i don't even know that i don't even pay attention to that man okay but i could imagine him being like i can imagine him being like oh well trump said that uh he didn't even know what the uh what the procedures were that he could just think it he could just dream to just declassify an, uh, a document and it becomes declassified but you know we remember who remembers reading the article like back in the day right when president trump declassified the crossfire hurricane documents i remember i think we even reported on it here at the sea report when he did that no i don't think he no 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 we weren't even i take that back ladies and gentlemen we didn't report on it when it happened. We reported on it after it happened because we weren't even on the air when he did it. Okay. So, but like we shared that story, you know, and uh, it was in the, it was at Washington. You could see it, you know, on the internet, official government stuff like that, that they were talking about declassifying it. Right. So now people are like throwing that in Trump's face. They're saying, oh, now President Trump knows the procedures. I think that he was, I think he was doing that just to get a rise out of people, not even to get a rise out of people. You know, I think, I think President Trump said that because because it's known, ladies and gentlemen, it's been known presidents that we can't even count our fingers on have done this before. What taking the taking the documents that they choose. Now, of course, the vice president thing is not, you know, but the president thing is. And so I think President Trump was saying I could think about a, a document to declassify and it would be declassified because what that um 
uh, hyperbole, right? Am I using that right? Anyways, was, ladies and gentlemen, was that, uh, yeah, I mean, it's everyone knows that presidents have have the uh, the clearance to declassify documents. Everyone knows it. It is known. So I think he was just being facetious, you know, when he was saying stuff like that. That's the way I gather it. That's what my uh, discernment tells me anyways. But, you know, let's see what our next President Trump statement is for this afternoon. We got one more after this. It's a two-parter. Shocking. One of the most, uh, sorry, one of the top prosecutors at the Department of Injustice was reportedly so obsessed with getting Trump that he tried to bribe and intimidate a lawyer representing someone being targeted and harassed to falsely accuse and fabricate a story about President Donald J. Trump and a crime that does not exist. This criminal and salacious act from within the DOJ has brought shame and embarrassment to this once great and respected institution. Because of this, there's now extreme turmoil inside the DOJ. And as we go to the next statement, I will say, ladies and gentlemen, um, I, I wouldn't doubt, you know, I mean, I, I know we have good people working in these agencies. I wouldn't doubt, you know, whenever they do things like this, it's kind of like, heh. Like who, who did I, who did I go to work for? Like the FBI or the Stasi, right? Uh, page two says a top overzealous and dishonest DOJ prosecutor offered a witness, a witness lawyer, an important judgeship in the Biden administration. If his client flips on president Trump, who has done nothing wrong. The highly respected lawyer was incensed and disgusted at this corrupt and illegal offer. The fake case against me must be immediately dropped and the inspector general should launch an investigation into this and the many other crimes uh, and the many others of all too obvious wrongdoings and crimes. Yes, the many other crimes, ladies and gentlemen, you know, whenever President Trump puts out stuff like this. Man, I'm sure it sets the world of uh, three-letter agencies and mainstream media on fire, right? But of course, everyone could keep on decrying it as being, uh, you know, um, fake news, bad information, or a big lie, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, but more often than not, There we go. Especially in this day and age, ladies and gentlemen. Sorry, we were uh, we were frozen for a minute, uh, especially in this day and age. Yeah, we did freeze. OK, especially in this day and age, ladies and gentlemen, uh, the truth comes out. Um, this is like the time of revelations, ladies and gentlemen, the time of revelations. OK, let's get into our Carrie Lake election fraud story, ladies and gentlemen, so we can jump and die. Well, so we can dive into the rest. The rest is going to be a little bit heavier. This is actually pretty crazy. So, you know, we have, of course, as we've been following the story, the Maricopa County uh, Board of Supervisors, otherwise referred to as the POS BOS over there in Arizona, uh, has done everything that they can in order to hide or cover their election crimes, ladies and gentlemen. And as I just stated, the truth will eventually out because there are still good people, good, honest people in this world, ladies and gentlemen. You know, so when they say, you know, uh, like the DOJ is in turmoil because, you know, the people who are rank and file don't know what the heck their bosses are doing and it 
it's counter to what they thought uh, uh, their department was supposed to be. Uh, the same thing happens in everyday real world, ladies and gentlemen, even on a level that's not governmental, even on a level that's not prestigious, you know. Uh, so in this case, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we're talking about the uh, Maricopa County and the Cary Lake election fiasco that's been going on. And as we know, like the uh, judges have just dismissed, dismissed, thrown out, dismissed, thrown out, dismissed, you know, and then it's been appealed, appealed, appealed. It's finally going to be appealed up to the uh, Supreme Court. But, you know, it's interesting because of that, that funny little catchphrase, the passage of time, you know, we, uh, we are now seeing clearly what exactly the passage of time affords, right? But uh, maybe time is running too fast for Maricopa County Board of Supervisors, because the truth, I think, is coming out a lot quicker than they would prefer. Uh, definitely a lot quicker than it did in 2020 as they, uh, as they hid all their documents, as they delayed and obfuscated for months and months and months, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, that's what the, uh, the, that's what the gifts of lawfare bring you, right? The gifts of lawfare bring you the passage of time, ladies and gentlemen the passage of time. But as the truth is coming out and good, honest people are coming forward and or are not being silenced, uh, we see another player, another document coming out to the forefront in regards to the Kerry Lake 2022 stolen election case. And that would have to be with the printers, uh, the printers who worked for uh, worked with the machines for Maricopa County, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, it's a business called OKI. Let's go ahead and uh, get this on the screen. So OKI responded to the Maricopa County um, 2022 midterm election report. And so for those of you who may not have caught that, we're not going to read it, guys. It's 38 pages long, but just so you guys can see it. This is what they were responding to. This is the uh, Maricopa County 2022 general election ballot on demand printer investigation. Okay. Now this was published on April 10th, 2023. So OKI, who I guess is contracted with Maricopa County Board of Supervisors, got their hands on this report, as we all had, and they responded to it. Let's take a look at this article. Now, you guys remember yesterday we brought an article to you guys that came from learninghowtoflood.com or something like that, like some flood website. And I was like, what is this doing on here, right? Uh, well, this one actually comes from a, uh, a printer website. It's interesting. Industries are printing news that is relevant. I love it. Okay. Uh, so this one comes from an article, an article found in Recycler the magazine for toner and inkjet manufacturing industry, right? How interesting, right? So this is what uh, the magazine had to say. So the title of the article is OKI says, get your facts straight, Maricopa County. Dang, right? You see, like all this information comes out after the judge has already like, you know, dismissed or thrown out the case. Isn't that crazy, right? OKI says to Maricopa County, get your facts straight. It goes like this. If last November's United States elections were not contentious enough, OKI found themselves receiving an adverse report from Maricopa County Attorney's Office, which investigated printer issues related to the 2022 November general election. In the November 2022 elections, Maricopa County, Arizona, vote centers encountered numerous problems. 
that prevented the tabulation of produced ballots by on-site tabulators. The failure was attributed to a failure of the printer fuser to maintain a heat sufficient to fuse the toner onto the paper, making the ballot papers unreadable to the vote tabulators. Following the election, the Maricopa County Attorney's Office appointed an external person to investigate the election printer issues, and the report was released on the 10th of April, 2023. OKI was not contacted, said OKI, in a statement issued on their website. Not by Maricopa County officials, investigation teams working on their behalf, election service providers, or any other parties associated with the investigation at any time during the investigation. In fact, OKI was completely unaware that an investigation was underway. The report states the county made significant investments to upgrade its BOD printers fleet. In 2017, the county had acquired commercial off-the-shelf OKI. OKI B432 printers to use with the OKI 9650 BOD printers. In 2020, the county retrofitted the OKI B432 printers, which previously printed only voter envelopes, to function as BOD ballot on demand printers capable of printing ballots, control slips, and envelopes. Now, I gotta pause here, guys, and I gotta ask. Why are vote counting machines also capable of printing ballots and printing envelopes and printing control slips? Should they not just be there to read the ballot and not have a printing function? It's just a question, okay? It's just a question. All right, it says, in 2021, the county replaced two older BOD printer models, the OKI9650 and the Lexmark 923, with Lexmark C4150 printers. The voting paper in question was 100 pound and 20 inches long. Um, and the failure was attributed to a failure of the printer fuser to maintain a heat sufficient to fuse the toner, onto the paper, making the ballot papers unreadable to the vote tabulators. The Maricopa County report is 33 pages long and is very detailed. In their statement, OKI said they would not respond to each issue raised in the report, but would like to respond to three specific statements which are factually inaccurate. We believe that all of these inaccuracies would have been avoided had the investigatory team simply contacted OKI in advance of the report's release. That's pretty bad, guys. I mean, is this Maricopa County getting sloppy? Is this, no, you know what, this, this is not them getting sloppy, you know, because you remember, guys, like I said, if they have too many loose ends to tie up, there's going to be some leads, right? Now, either they didn't get their OKI loose ends tied up, or these guys are so arrogant, their hubris will be their downfall. Ladies, they're so arrogant that they didn't even get in touch, right? Maybe they didn't think that OKI was going to get a copy of this report. I don't know. Maybe there's someone at OKI that could not be bought out. Yeah, I'd like to shake the hand of that person, right? Here are the factual errors, the three specific statements that OKI wants to respond to the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors and their sham investigation. Page 24, Fuser Replacement. Report Statement. 
The fuser inadequacy on some printers is not a problem easily remedied, as the fuser on the OKI B432 cannot be separately replaced. OKI's response, the fuser for the B432 is in fact available for replacement and can be changed on site by a printer technician. The printer itself does not need to be replaced in the event that the fuser fails. Bam, ladies and gentlemen, there's one lie that just lick the dust. Here's another one, page 24, product support period. The report says, that problem, alleged inability to separately replace the fuser, is further exacerbated by the fact that the OKI B432 manufacturer, which has withdrawn from the North and South American markets, has established December 31, 2025 as the end of life for these printers, after which repair parts and consumables will no longer be manufactured. OKI's response, not only is the statement about fuser replacement inaccurate, the time horizon for service slash support noted in the report is incorrect. OKI discontinued sales of OKI branded printers in March 2021. OKI will abide by our legal obligations to support printers in the field with consumables and spare parts for a minimum of five years after product discontinuation. In the specific case of the B432 model, OKI will continue to supply consumables and spare parts for this model through at least March 31, 2028. Boom! Second lie licks the dust, ladies and gentlemen. And page 26 purported assurances from the manufacturer. The report states, despite the assurances of the manufacturer, many of the OKI B432 printers were not capable of reliably printing 20-inch ballots on 100-pound paper under election day conditions. OKI's response is, the investigation report relies heavily on another potential factual inaccuracy. That is, that the OKI B432 printers were designed to work on 100-pound paper to conclude that the issue in the elections were caused by equipment failure. While the B432 printer supports paperweights up to 110 pounds text in um, 10 pound text through the multi-purpose tray, the maximum paperweight through the paper cassette is 80 pound text. In addition, 100-pound covers would be well out of a spec for both the multi-purpose tray and the cassettes. Bam, ladies and bomb. There's another lie that has been licked, ladies and gentlemen. So I being like, these, what La La Land is the uh, Maricopa County Board of Supervisors living in that they think that they can just make up anything? I mean... Make up any figures, make up any any statements. These people clearly did not do their homework, right? Uh, the article concludes, without clarification in, in the testing process that defines the exact uh, paper cassette, uh, the exact paper type and printing source, multi-purpose uh, multi tray or cassette, the conclusion is disingenuous given that the fact that the use of 100-pound paper can be out of specification 
for the B432 printers, as can be discerned readily from the printer's manual. As a result, it seems that the true underlying cause of the election issues was the use of 100-pound paper without reviewing the manual and or confirming with OKI that such use was within the specifications of the OKI B432 printers. Had the county consulted OKI prior to such use, the design specifications would have been discussed and alternates could have been explored. OKI printers have been successfully deployed in election applications for many years, providing consistent, reliable performance as long as the printers are utilized within published specifications. OKI will continue to support our election services providers and counties nationwide that rely on OKI printers to meet their ballot printing demands, and we look forward to a corrected report being issued by the Maricopa County Attorney's Office. Uh, and, the and the take by the Recycler um, um, magazine, their take on this, the report is detailed, but really, nobody contacted OKI. <laughs> That's pretty bad, guys. That is pretty bad for Maricopa County. And, and so let's hopefully this gets some traction, right? Hopefully the story gets some legs, ladies and gentlemen. That would be great to see this uh, hit the spotlight and uh, and actually be used and useful in the court of law, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, but I guess we'll just have to wait and see what developments come out on that or tell you what, if we get any uh, if we get any comment, from the lake team, and I don't mean personal comment, but if any comment becomes available out there, we'll make sure to share it with y'all. All right, guys, that's going to take us to our next story. And uh, it's the one you've been waiting for. All right, guys. Oh, I should have warned you guys about the uh, swamp creatures coming to the screen. Okay, so um, there's a lot of stuff going on on the, I guess, the national front. Uh, again, that sounds so... Anyways, so, uh, and, and and in regards to the Biden family, of course, we've got the IRS whistleblowers coming out that, you know, we have uh, Comer and Ray uh, fighting over. I know there are new developments in that, right? Like uh, the FBI was actually going to allow them to see uh, the um, the documents uh, regarding the um, uh, million dollar bribery. But then we also have this case going on with Hunter. And I know a lot of you guys have heard about the, um, I guess she was a... Uh, stripper or something in Arkansas. I don't know if she was a stripper or a prostitute. I didn't follow the story, but I just know that she, she done got pregnant. Right. And so that story's coming out now. So that's kind of been like, you know, as far as like uh, cracking into the swamp creatures, cracking into uh, the establishment um, predators, ladies and gentlemen, cracking into the globalist uh, jerks who've been uh, trying to seize control of this nation and its people and, and thereby seize control of the world in an iron grip, um, uh, a new development is coming out in regards to the Clinton Foundation. So let's just get straight into the article, guys, and let's not waste any time on it. Uh, this article is coming from Sputnik News. Now, I know that there are some of you people out there, interesting enough, um, who just will not look at anything that has to come from Russia. Anyways, we're not like that here at the Sea Report. We like to uh, get into as much information as we can and 
discern from there, ladies and gentlemen. So uh, this article says, uh, oh, let's see, what is it called? Oh, oh, there's the big old swamp creature. It says Clinton Foundation whistleblowers have chance to bust IRS and expose Hillary's pay to play. Hmm. Interesting timing that. And it's interesting how you're not going to see this article. There's another article you're not going to see really available in the mainstream, lamestream. Of course, you're not going to see it on any Western-backed media, ladies and gentlemen. It says here, uh, Clinton Foundation whistleblowers are due to provide new information to the U.S. tax court concerning the IRS apparent unwillingness to investigate Bill and Hillary Clinton's charity. The IRS, FBI, and DOJ have already been under the spotlight over their apparent preferential treatment of Joe Biden's son, Hunter. The Hunter Biden IRS whistleblower case has largely eclipsed another tax court development that could have serious consequences for U.S. dynastic political families. Late last month, U.S. tax court judge David Gustafson reinvigorated a years-long whistleblower case concerning the Clinton Foundation, a charity run by Bill and Hillary Clinton. Two forensic investigators turned whistleblowers, John uh, Moynihan and Larry Doyle, filed a lawsuit over the IRS apparent unwillingness to look into the charity's alleged misdeeds. Despite the IRS commissioner repeatedly trying to trash the case, the judge rejected the agency's latest motion to dismiss and asked for new arguments by June 30, 2023. What's in the Clinton Foundation whistleblower case? The story of the years-long case goes back to August 2017, when Doyle and Moynihan first submitted a whistleblower complaint with the IRS accusing the Clinton Foundation of tax crimes. However, in November 2018, they received a preliminary denial from the Revenue Service. Nonetheless, the whistleblowers did not give up. On December 13, 2018, Doyle and Moynihan testified before the House Oversight and Government Reform Committee, suggesting that the Clinton Foundation owes the U.S. government between $400 million and $2.5 billion in taxes. According to the forensic investigator, the charity does not operate as a tax-exempt 501c3 organization, but acts as nothing short of a foreign agent. It says, as such... Uh, and this is a statement from Moynihan at the time. He says, as such, the foundation should have registered under FARA, Foreign Agents Registration Act. Ultimately, the foundation and its auditors conceded informal submissions that did operate as a foreign agent. Therefore, the foundation is not entitled to its 501c3 tax-exempt privileges as outlined in IRS 170c2. The two whistleblowers told U.S. lawmakers that they had collected approximately 100 exhibits in excess of 6,000 pages, expressing bewilderment at the IRS's hesitation to investigate the Clinton Foundation case. And uh, that is a picture there of Mr. Larry Doyle and Mr. John Moynihan. Uh, tax court judge busted IRS. It says, having received the final denial from the IRS to look into the issue in February 2019, Doyle and Moynihan filed a lawsuit with the U.S. tax court. On October 8, 2020, they scored their first victory. 
tax court judge Gustafsson ruled that the IRS whistleblower office had abused its discretion in trying to dismiss specific credible documentation put forward by Doyle and Moynihan, thereby allowing the case against the Clintons charities to proceed the judge also raised concerns over the IRS handling of the case and detailed mistakes in the filing of specific forms by the IRS Criminal Investigation Division and omissions in its conclusions concerning the Clinton Foundation whistleblower's complaint. Judging from the division's documentation, it remained unclear whether the IRS had used the information provided by the whistleblowers in any investigation into the charity. The judge noted, however, that he had reasons to believe that the IRS had engaged in some investigative activity concerning the Clinton charity in coordination with the FBI. And uh, we have a statement here from Judge Gustafsson. He wrote, Prompted by petitioners Doyle and Moynihan, allegations, explicit and detailed, with names, dates, and locations, the WBO's email put a single direct question to CI. Can you please confirm that IRS CI is not working with these whistleblowers on any investigation with these target entities? CI's reply was a non-answer that looks like it may have been a deliberate evasion. The claim was appropriately declined by criminal investigation. But was CI working with petitioners or not? CI did not say. That's criminal investigation, CI. Besides this, in 2018, the criminal investigation uh, investigators had to be asked three times to complete its form 11369 for this case, giving unacceptable responses to the whistleblower's office and grousing that it's somebody else's job, the, jo the judge pointed out. In April 2021, tax court uh, judge Gustafsson suggested in his new ruling the IRS whistleblower office had been withholding important information concerning the case. The IRS whistleblower office must further investigate to determine whether criminal investigations proceeded with an investigation based on petitioner's information and collected proceeds. It seems clear we should remand the case to the WO so that it can explore this gap. All right. Durham report sheds new light on Clinton. Okay. So there you go. So that was that. Oh, I want to get into this one too now, right? <laughs> Let's do this too. Okay. So, oh yeah, yeah. No, it, it continues guys. It continues. I forget what Sputnik. Sometimes they have article headlines that are like, anyways. Okay. So the, the case continues, ladies and gentlemen, we're not done yet. All right. So now, now we got Durham getting involved in this, right? So Durham report sheds new light on Clinton Foundation probes. Meanwhile, on October 26, 2021, Moynihan and Doyle announced that they had been approached and interviewed by special counsel John Durham, who at the time was investigating the origins and handling of the Trump uh, Russia probe. Earlier on September 24, 2021, the New York Times broke a story that the special counsel had sought information about the FBI's Clinton Foundation inquiry within the framework of his probe which was launched in 2019. Later, in May 2023, Special Counsel Durham revealed in his 306-page final report that the FBI's Washington, New York, and Little Rock, Arkansas field offices had at least four ongoing probes 
into the Bill and Hillary Clinton charities' apparent pay-to-play schemes during the 2016 election cycle. Still, all four investigations were abruptly closed prior to the 2016 election day, with Hillary running as the Democrat presidential nominee. Durham particularly pointed out that senior FBI and Justice Department officials engaged in slowing down and closing the aforementioned investigations. Both senior FBI and department officials placed restrictions on how these matters were to be handled, such that essentially no investigative activities occurred for months, the special counsel emphasized. So now I got to say there, uh, you know, breaking also from the article partly here, you see, like I said, guys, I heard, I've heard and seen a lot of people who are like, you know, Durham didn't have teeth. Like he must have removed his dentures whenever he finished that report because he did not recommend rest. He did not recommend blah, 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 blah. Guys, I mean, I get it's a, can we not figure out for ourselves? I'm just saying. And if we, the lay people, and I, I hope I'm not offending anyone by saying that, but if we, the lay people, can read and figure this out ourselves, I mean, if anyone cares to sit down and read that 306 page report, right, and pull it apart, I know a lot of people have already, you know. But I mean, it serves to reason that a lawyer could figure it out. It serves to reason that a judge could figure it out. Should these, I mean, these people hold themselves above us anyways. Should we not hold them to higher understandings? Should they not have better comprehension skills than we do? You know, should they not be able, be able to read between the lines better than we do? And these are just questions, ladies and gentlemen. We need to hold them to the standard that they hold themselves to, which is they're better than us, right? So if they're better than us, then they should have had this figured out a long time. And if they are in fact better than us and they have not figured it out where they should have and we have, then there's some dishonesty and corruption going on here, ladies and gentlemen. I'm willing to put money on the table that that's exactly what it is. I'm sure everyone in this audience would be willing to put that kind of money on the table. That's a bet I'd take. Is the government corrupt? Right. Anyways. Okay. So, uh, again, guys, again, guys, there was so much information in that report and in the indictments leading up to the report, guys, there was so much information, you know, it says here, Durham report and Hunter Biden IRS whistleblower case may help. Judge Gustafson's May 30 ruling gives an opportunity to Doyle and Moynihan to incorporate Durham's allegations in their forthcoming court filings, which they should submit no later than June 30, as per Just the News, a U.S. independent media outlet founded by award-winning investigative journalist John Solomon Loves Kathy Bernier. In addition, a specific recent ruling in a tax court case titled Berenblatt v. IRS commission could also come in handy for the Clinton Foundation whistleblowers, the media outlet noted. You see, guys, now even though I got this article from Sputnik, all of my American friends can rest at ease. Their source material was just the news. Okay, all right. All comes full circle. Okay. <laughs> You know, I used to share just the news articles all the time, but you know what? I was like, I'm too noisy, right? Anyways, okay, I'm just playing, guys. Anyways, the IRS tax handling of the Doyle and Moynihan complaint, as well as the agency's ambiguous conduct and apparent unwillingness to look into the Clinton Foundation, appear especially suspicious in light of the FBI's closure of a whopping four probes into the charity. 
Previously, similarly controversial behavior by IRS, FBI, and DOJ officials was exposed by Hunter Biden IRS whistleblowers. Can you guys believe that there are good guys in the IRS? Oh my goodness, right? On May 26, 2023, IRS supervisory criminal investigator Gary Shapley, am I saying that name right? Shapley? Shapley? Um appeared before the U.S. House Ways and Means Committee and provided seven bombshell documents totaling 23 pages to confirm his claims regarding the apparent preferential treatment of Hunter Biden, the son of President-Select Joe Biden. The documents presented by the agent indicated that starting from at least 2020, DOJ officials made repeated attempts to thwart his investigation. Shapley blew the whistle in April. After that, the IRS veteran and his 12 subordinates were expelled from the probe at the request of the DOJ. What's more, one of Shapley's subordinates, who asked his seniors about the rationale behind booting the team out, was threatened and silenced by IRSO officials. What will happen, though, to Clinton Foundation if Doyle and Moynihan win? Oh, boy, isn't that a loaded question, right? Article says, Wall Street analyst and investigative journalist Charles Ortel has been conducting a separate private investigation into the Clinton Foundation for the last several years. Ortel is an old hand in exposing potential financial fraud. He was the first to raise a flag about General Electric shortly before the company's stock crash in 2008. In an interview with Sputnik, the Wall Street analyst repeatedly drew attention to the FBI, DOJ, and IRS failures to see obvious discrepancies in the Clinton Foundation's operations and financial documentation. Per Ortel, the charity's case remains the largest unprosecuted fraud ever. Separately, the analyst referred to the U.S. mainstream media's unwillingness to touch upon the matter, too. The U.S. mainstream press either silences or ridicules attempts to investigate the Clinton Foundation's apparent pay-to-play scheme, much in the same vein as it tried to trash the Hunter Biden's laptop from hell story. The judge, Judge Gustafson, and his staff likely have extensive evidence indicating that the, enti- the entity originally known as the William J. Clinton Presidential Foundation and subsequently operating under many other names is not validly authorized by the IRS or by any other government to conduct charitable services as a nonprofit organization, Ortel told Sputnik. Nonetheless, he continued, Uh, Bill Clinton and his associates have solicited more than $2 billion in the guise of charity, but have failed to account for its financial results in the manner required by applicable laws and regulations. The Wall Street analyst pointed this out. He said, because Bill Clinton also is active politically and pursuing personal profit, there is great suspicion that the Clinton Foundation Charity Network is the core of an illegal conspiracy where donors seeking political favors from Clinton and his globalist allies exchange contributions for favors inside America and around the world. The Clinton approach and past failures by many governments to purge charity fraud and political corruption from the system likely inspired the Biden family to follow the Clinton script. Who knows how many other politicians will milk supposed charities for personal and political gain. 
pretty heavy question that guy. So all of that coming again, and these are things that we've been aware of. I mean, especially people who've been uh, paying attention to politics, you know, in certain fields have been, we've known about this pay to play scheme. We see all of this, we've seen all this stuff busted open, but you know, again, guys, when we're um, rehashing or refreshing on these stories, I mean, and, and keeping audience members up to date with developments. It's about keeping that information front of mind and accessible, right? So that when it's needed, we can use it. Ladies and gentlemen, we can utilize it. All right, let's finish up with this article here. It says, if Doyle and Moynihan win their case in the U.S. tax court and subsequent IRS FBI investigations into the Clinton Foundation are conducted in good faith, it is likely that the alleged fraud and pay-to-play schemes would be proven, according to the analyst. He believes that the Clinton Foundation should be placed in conservatorship and run by a nonpartisan group of trustees, who would then be charged with constructing accurate records from October 23, 1997 to present. This course may not be possible because there are major defects in the known public record calling into question whether the William J. Clinton Presidential Foundation actually existed after April 25, 2005, when Articles of Incorporation and bylaws were defectively amended, Ortel continued. In a worst-case scenario, he said, for the Clinton family and for trustees, all revenues of the Clinton Foundation would become taxable personal income to the co-conspirators, while some expenses might be tax deductible. On top of this financial burden, fines and penalties and interest might also be assessed. The Wall Street analyst uh, concluded, not only should the FBI investigate the Clinton Foundation fraud conspiracy, but appropriate government authorities must investigate why current and former presidents who illegally abuse public charities are insulated and protected from prosecution and then discipline all bad actors involved forcefully and publicly. All right. I say amen to that, ladies and gentlemen. Amen to that. So it makes you wonder what on earth the outcome could be. Uh, but there you go. So that was a quick uh, touch on, well, I don't know if you would call that quick, but we definitely touched on it. So this is something that's developing, ladies and gentlemen. This is something that's developing. And according to this article, it's a recommendation by June 30, right? Uh, that's the end of this month uh, in order to get some of their ducks in a row and uh, get the paperwork filed and everything that is needed. And again, there is a photograph of Larry Doyle and John Moynihan, the whistleblowers in the Clinton Foundation whistleblower case. So who knows, guys, this might be another story that we're going to see ramping up as we get closer to 2024. Or maybe it'll just break, ladies and gentlemen, and be all out in the open. All right, let's see what we got next for today. Oh, we're about to jump into the Instagram pedophilia story. All right, guys, thanks again for being here. If you're enjoying today's broadcast, please make sure you hit the like and uh, the follow button if you'd like to get notifications. Uh, if you're hanging out over at Pilled, make sure you hit that red pill button. Make sure you repost so that people know where you're hanging out. And I see uh, one of the members of the C team is hanging out over at Pilled today. How's it going, Tam Grell? Good to see you this afternoon. Uh, oh, I'm sorry to hear that you have a tummy ache, Miss Tam Grell. Hopefully you'll feel better. Hopefully the passage of time. <laughs> 
<laughs> will allow that tummy ache to go away. Okay. <laughs> hey, the passage of time can be for good for some things too, right? Anyways. Okay. So this is a story that's kind of like, you know, really, really starting to make the rounds, ladies and gentlemen. It's got, uh, it's got people calling Elon Musk the savior of children. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to dock the man for the good work that he's done in exposing these networks. I mean, you saw how quickly he worked on Twitter to get uh, those networks off and uh, for that to be uh, taken care of. I mean, there's still Twitter porn, right? But, <laughs> but anyways, that's besides the point, you know, uh, but, you know, I don't know. I mean, cause there's, there's a, there's going to be a, there's going to be a lot of debate between now and when, uh, you know, Elon Musk, shows his true face right when he fully unmasks and he fully comes out and uh, we figure out where he i mean i already figured that he's just a wrangling you know uh republican establishment voters and he's just trying to you know the the fence sitters and the and the you know the um republicans and the conservatives out there who are still establishment like they still watch fox news you know they still the tune into sean hannity and and the five and you know all the other people who are on that network um, who still go crazy whenever they hear the name Sean Hannity in a good way, right? You know, for me, it was like uh, Elon Musk was there to wrangle all those people, right? And and then to get all the ones who are awake to be like, oh, Elon got us back on Twitter. He's our savior. We can start doing our Trump trains again. We can start like, you know, uh, I don't know, sharing our profiles again and doing all that annoying stuff. Um, I like the information that comes on Trump trains, but when all of my streams are nothing but like all of these people just like, you know, friending each other. And that's what the purpose of the Trump train is just to friend yourself, just to grow your audience numbers, just to grow your, I mean, that's kind of lame if you ask me, but anyways, it works, right? These people get 1.8 K people following them. They get, I never participated in Trump trains. Maybe that's why I only have like 50 followers, right? On my, <laughs> Because I would not jump on an internet uh, social media Trump train, okay? I, I'm on the Trump train in real life, ladies and gentlemen. I don't need to get on the one on social media. Anyways, it's annoying. I mean, but anyways, it's okay. It's okay. Spread the word, right? Okay. <laughs> anyways, so as I was saying, this is starting to make the rounds. Let's, let's get off of the, the Musk the Musk, um, the Musk Musk venue on this or the Musk point of view. Let's move away from that and let's move straight into what this is all about. Now, this story came to us from the Wall Street Journal and it was, uh, it was, um, it went viral after uh, Mr. Musk uh, shared it on Twitter. Um, but let's go ahead and see what this was all about. Uh, we're not going to the pages of the Wall Street Journal for this one. I actually went to RT. I know I'm doing it on purpose. I'm using Russian news sources on purpose. Okay, so uh, let's see what this is all about. Okay, let's check her out, check her out, check her out. Child porn peddlers use codes like cheese pizza. Oh, they use codes like cheese pizza. Are you guys sure that that's not like a conspiracy theorist? <laughs> I mean, a conspiracy theory. Uh, the, the whole cheese pizza and the whole spaghetti thing, even down probably to like um, the uh, pedophilia symbols, right? There are probably people out there that still legitimately believe that those are conspiracy theories, right? I don't know. It says here, uh, they use codes like cheese pizza and exploit the features of Meta's platform, researchers say. Okay. Yes, I'll accept your cookies. Now go away. Now it says here, buyers and sellers of underage sex content have developed a thriving network 
thanks to the discovery algorithms in Instagram, the photo sharing platform owned by Silicon Valley giant Meta. It says uh, Instagram connects pedophiles and guides them to content sellers via recommendation systems that excel at linking those who share niche interests, the journal reported. Based on investigations, it conducted jointly with Stanford University and the University of Massachusetts Amherst. It says sexualized accounts on the platform are brazen about their interests, but don't post illegal materials openly, choosing to offer menus of content instead, according to researchers. They also use certain emojis as code in which a map stands for minor attracted person, uh, a euphemism for pedophiles, and cheese pizza is shorthand for child pornography said Brian Levine, director of the UMass Rescue Lab at Amherst. Many users describe themselves as lovers of the little things in life. Oh, that's so gross. Okay, it says even a passing contact with a pedophile account can trigger Instagram's algorithm to begin recommending it to other users. One example quoted by the journal involves Sarah Adams, a Canadian mother who combats child exploitation. In February, one of her followers messaged her with an account promoting incest toddlers, said Adams, uh, and Adams viewed its profile briefly in order to report it as inappropriate. Over the next few days, Adams said she received messages from horrified parents who visited her profile only to receive recommendation to view the pedophile one. Oh, it's crazy, guys. That is crazy. Okay. And this thing here, guys, this crap right here, incest toddlers. Yeah, there are sick assholes who are into that shit, ladies and gentlemen. That is disgusting. Okay. I need, maybe I should have saved this article for the nighttime hours because I'm about to go off. Okay. Anyways. Okay. Instagram's problem comes down to content discovery features, the way topics are recommended and how much the platform relies on search and search and links between accounts. David Thiel, David Thiel, any relation to Peter? <laughs> Sorry, guys. Uh, David Thiel, chief technologist at Stanford Internet Observatory, who previously worked at Meta, told the... So he knew! Okay. <laughs> Researchers said that the platform also allows searches that Meta acknowledges are illegal. Users get a pop-up that notifies them that the content may feature child sex abuse and offers them two options, get resources and see results anyways. The National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, a nonprofit that works with U.S. law enforcement, received 31.9 million reports of child pornography in 2022. Meta-owned platforms accounted for 85% of the reports, with some 5 million coming from Instagram alone. Which is why I say, I mean, yeah, we can give a, a, a hat nod to Elon Musk for making this story go viral, and, and probably he's trying to take out one of his big competitors, right? Uh, the, the Zuckerberg-Musk showdown throwdown coming Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Will you buy it on pay-per-view? Anyways, so uh, but, you know, but the fact of the matter is that this information was known and it was out there for a 
long time. I have articles to support, okay? It says Stanford researchers found some child sex accounts on Twitter as well, but less than a third than they found on Instagram, which has a far larger user base uh, estimated at 1.3 billion. Twitter also did not recommend such accounts as much and took them down far faster. A Meta spokesperson told the journal, child exploitation is a horrific crime. That's why we allow it on our website. Just kidding. They didn't say that last part. They did say it was a horrific crime, though. Mark Zuckerberg's company acknowledged it had problems within its enforcement operations and said it had set up internal task force to address the situation. Meta actively tries to remove child pornography, banning 490,000 accounts in January alone and taking down 27 pedophile networks over the past two years. The company also said it had cracked down on sexualized hashtags and adjusted the recommendation system since receiving the journal's inquiry. Interesting that, guys. I don't know what you guys think about that, right? But again, you know, when it comes to platforms like Instagram and uh, the dangers that our children face these days, ladies and gentlemen, and, and just the just the uh, the more race it puts on society, guys, uh, it's been known. It has been known. Um, so I dug into it a little bit. So we had this one, for example. This comes from 2021. A scam on Instagram, a descent into hell. So I just picked a few articles to share with you guys about this topic. Um, and just to see uh, what else did they find on Instagram, right? Are there maybe some other things that, uh, you know, uh, Zuckerberg should be uh, accounting for whenever he's going over uh, these um uh, going over these situations with his uh, employees? Is Instagram safe for kids? Learn more about the worrying content I found on my investigation. Let's see what this has to say. Where did this come from again? Uh, this is coming from, uh, where are you at? Medium.com. I don't know what this, uh, I don't know what this, um, venue is, but let's see what she says. It says Instagram is one of the most used social media, um, networks nowadays. Okay. We know all about that stuff. We don't need to know about all that stuff. Okay. So, uh, it says here. As part of my job, I daily have to deal with machine learning to detect scam and spam. Thus, I found interesting to trace where the scam accounts came from, trying to isolate few profiles which might be the origin of the scam. This approach would allow Instagram to enhance the block of scam and spam accounts, leading to a cleaner platform. Using Python and some scraping, I selected about 100 fake accounts, selected from uh, comments to popular Instagram feeds, from here, followers and following for each other account were, account were retrieved, gathering about 40,000 accounts. Among these accounts, using network analyst, analysis, I selected all those accounts which were following at least 20 fake accounts to detect a possible source of spam. For each of these accounts, I started scraping, following, and followers, collecting about 4,000 profiles, bio, bios, profile images, number of followers, and following. The question I'll ask you throughout the paper is, dear parent, would you continue to upload photos of your child on Instagram? Children on Instagram followed by suspicious accounts. Are children aged less than 13 allowed to be on Instagram? According to Instagram's terms and conditions, the minimum accepted user age is 13. However, younger people seem to use the platform. 
Moreover, not only not only these children's profiles are followed by the above suspicious people, but pedophile-like comments appear in their photos. Uh, digging further in these case in in these accounts, it emerged also that kids' images are inappropriately used to create fake accounts. And so they have uh, photographs here. Uh, so this one is uh, um, with the child's face, of course, um, um, redacted, <laughs> uh, age five, right? And so, yeah, so they're just, uh, they're showing pictures here. Now, here's uh, an image. I'm going to take the the girls in the swimsuit off here. But uh, so you, it's talking about uh, the pedophilic content of the, the comments. Uh, it's a, it's a photograph of, of little girls in bathing suits, but you have comments like hot, uh, you have comments uh, like uh, um, the smiley face with hard eyes. Why would people even post these things of their kids on the internet? Anyways, okay. So it says pedophile accounts question mark. Uh, going further with my investigation, my attention was caught by cryptic accounts, which were using specific emoji in their bios. Analyzing these accounts, I found that on Instagram, there is an open public market of pedo pornography. Uh, these accounts share a telegram to uh, a telegram invite link to join a community where after payment links of pedo materials are sent around additionally many of these link sharing profiles have children among their followers the majority of these accounts seem fake and could be easily detected by instagram algorithms with simple network analysis and clustering what is shocking is that finding these accounts is relatively simple and once a few accounts have been discovered, Instagram recommender system itself will share you share with you more of these profiles to connect with. And uh, here's some more um, images. Oh, God, I didn't even get these images off my account. It says account which shares porno material through links obscured. Okay, I'm going to keep going down. Uh, it says, uh, call services available to everyone. Finally, the last bit of my analysis is focused on some accounts with the word paid in their username. This opened up a huge amount of profiles, which are promoting escorts, phone services with public phone numbers, with maybe women's stolen images. And it has uh, some examples of that as well. Conclusions. This was the most terrible article I could ever publish. However, I think it was needed to give Instagram and parents a heads up about what is going on. Moreover, this is just simple analysis, thus it might be the tip of an iceberg with more and more profiles and shocking realities to be not discovered. I will not share all the materials and images gathered from my analysis, but I would like you to ask Instagram the following questions. Why Instagram is not proactively blocking fake accounts? Why Instagram is not even blocking pedo-like accounts? Why Instagram allows children to be on their platform? And why Instagram cannot realize there is inappropriate usage of kids' images among fake accounts? Finally, why Instagram did not realize all of this with the amount of gathered data every day without API limitations, Instagram could run graph analysis and simple filters to trace down the scam. So, and that was just someone looking into scamming on Instagram and they found all of that information. And yet, like I said, this article was from 2021. It's not the only one. How about this one? The, it, this Instagram pedophile confirms all those Pizzagate pedophile symbols are actually real. Okay, so for all of you people out there who believe that it's a conspiracy theory that the FBI tracked down pedophile symbols, well, 
a real pedophile apparently is going to confirm to you that uh, that's uh, it's not a conspiracy theory, but it is a conspiracy. So this article comes from uh, 2019, like I said, and it appeared in the Washington Standard. Okay, so let's take a look at this. And yeah, and we are going through all this information because, again, these are things that we are constantly being it's constantly being being thrown in the face of uh, truth tellers and people who share information based in reality that we're conspiracy theorists and that there's no such thing as a uh, as a uh, pedophile pedophilia on the Internet. Right. And other things. Right. Anyways, it says here a pedophile who proudly displayed his Pizzagate tattoos on Instagram was finally removed from the platform after a flurry of reports concerning his pictures and hashtags indicating that he was not only a sodomite, but a pedophile. The tattoos also demonstrate that all those symbols from the Pizzagate scandal are indeed real. Uh, news guards should get a clue, but they are too busy trying to discredit those reporting real news. So I came across this post from Aaron Marie RN on Facebook. The post contained photos of a man on Instagram uh, known as Cage Jackson and showed several tattoos that indicate that he is a sodomite boy lover. Aaron wrote, and the uh, picture, the image is broken for that, but uh, Aaron wrote, reported uh, to Instagram, but I guess it was okay to be a self-proclaimed pedophile and it does not go against community standards. Not my community. Protect your kids with everything in your power. They are normalizing this disgust. Um, edit to add um, YB Young Boy Lover Tattoo stands for, or YBL Tattoo stands for Young Boy Lover Tattoo. See FBI symbols and logos used by pedophiles and sexual predators. Um, so, oh, and here's the picture. Okay, so here's here's the guy. The guy has the boy lover. Okay, so this thing right here, guys, that symbol right there is the exact same, the exact same symbol that uh, um, Sheila Jackson Lee, uh, the Houston um, uh, election rigger that we talked about yesterday, she had a ring of that. It was it was blue sapphire, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> it's not funny, but it's true. Okay. So then there's a picture of uh, his original tag, this Cage Jackson guy. So as you can see, it says relaxing evening hashtag. Uh, let's see here. Nudist exhibitionist, Norfolk, Minneapolis. Um, hashtag pedo. Right there it is. Hashtag pedo. Uh, and uh, then also has the photos of the FBI uh, investigation here. Now, a lot of people in my audience have seen this already. You know, you guys already know this. I mean, this is this is like this is as known as like, you know, Jeffrey Epstein is a pedophile. Right. Uh, this is as known as Hillary Clinton is crooked. Right. This is as known as 9-11 uh, was an inside job. Anyways, one photo shoot, one photo shows an upside down triangle just above his privates, which are not shown. Uh, notice the use of the hashtag pedo. And that photo actually had 31 likes. He also posted a photo of the boy lover tattoo he received on his leg. And there it is. And apparently he's a Capricorn also. All right. Uh, so it says, uh, my new young boy lover tattoo. Love it. Hashtag, uh, of course, showing off, proud, pride, gay, pedo, gay, pedo. Um, happy, love, boy, love, boy, lover, young boy, lover, boy, love, triangle. Okay, so this is a confirmed pedophile who is admitting 
that that's what those symbols are used for. For anyone in the audience who thought it was a conspiracy theory or never heard anything else, now here's a look at the um, Federal Bureau of Investigation's Intelligence Bulletin, which actually appeared on their website, ladies and gentlemen. All right. If someone's like, get me a screen grab, right? Uh, symbols and logos used by pedophiles to identify sexual preferences. The Intelligence Bulletin addresses crimes against children standing intelligence requirements set contained um, in uh, the investigation. It says here, pedophiles to include those who sexually abuse children as well as those who produce, distribute, and trade child pornography are using various types of identification logos or symbols to recognize one another and distinguish their sexual preferences. To encourage the use of descriptions such as boy love, girl love, and child love, or excuse me, to specifically indicate the pedophile's gender preferences, members of pedophilic organizations encourage the use of descriptions such as boy love, girl love, and child love. These symbols have been etched into rings and formed into pendants and have also been found imprinted on coins. The Boy Lover logo is a small blue spiral-shaped triangle surrounded by a larger triangle, whereby the small triangle represents a small boy and the larger triangle represents an adult man. A variation of the Boy logo, um, Boy Lover logo is the Little Boy Lover logo, which also embodies a small spiral-shaped triangle within a larger triangle. However, the corners of the LBL, the Little Boy Lover, logo are rounded to resemble a scribbling by a young child. Images of the boy lover logo and the little boy lover logo symbols are depicted below. And so there you go. So I'm telling you, it's like this one right here. Sheila Jackson Lee had that on a ring. Do you guys want to see the picture? <laughs> Do you guys want to see the pictures? You guys don't think I'm just like saying that, right? <clears throat> I can pull it up. Just give me a minute. I mean, it's, it, I mean, you can still find this on places like DuckDuckGo. I doubt you could find it on Google. Okay, so <laughs> hold on. Little, uh, oh, wait, let me just put pedo ring instead of like little boy lover ring. Pedo ring. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see if, let's see if it pops up. Okay. <laughs> oh, did she get a new ring? No, just kidding. <laughs> okay, let's see. Let me see if I can find it here. Okay. Oh, it's one of my favorite pictures of her. One I love. I love making fun of her. Okay, so uh, you see, Sheila Jackson Lee's not in my in my personal network, but if I called her a little boy lover on Twitter, I would get a social credit score hit. <laughs> okay. Um, let's see here. I'm gonna I'm gonna get this for you guys. Hold on. I'm going to, I know I should have put it, I should have put it on the bigger screen for you guys, but hold on. Uh, okay. Okay. QLD boys horror. She's accused of firing staffer. She was arrested. Come on, Miss Jackson Lee. I'm sure you're here. Okay. So <laughs> okay. All right, guys. I found it. Okay. Let me pull it up on the screen for you guys. Okay. 
Come on. Okay. Oh, so it's without the ring. Okay. No, 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 no. My viewers want to see the picture. Okay. We've we've uh we've shown it here before. Oh, here it is. Okay. There we go. Oh, really? Okay. That okay. That that website was taken down. Okay. Let's try this one. There we go. Okay. Oh, was it not? Was it not blue? Was it not blue sapphire? My bad. I guess it wasn't. Okay. <laughs> it was white diamond, y'all. It's a good thing it wasn't blue diamond, right? Because if it was blue diamond, that might have been a human being. Okay. So there you go. There's Sheila. There's Sheila Jackson Lee. Sheila Jackson Lee, ladies and gentlemen. That's why I was saying yesterday, how dare you? How dare you call me a pedophile? I don't love boys. I just sleep with them. Right? There you go. So there you go. Look, it even had this photo even has, ladies and gentlemen, it even has the this this is the FBI document we were just looking at, right? You guys saw it. <laughs> I don't know. She was just like, I was over there at Little St. James visiting my good friend Jeffrey Epstein. And he said, Hey, this is a beautiful ring. Would you like it, Sheila? And she's like, I love diamonds. I'm sure she does, right? I'm sure she loves diamonds, right? Especially diamonds that are made out of humans. Okay, so, all right, let's get her off the screen. All right, so now I now I stand vindicate, vindicated for calling Sheila Jackson Lee a pedophile yesterday. Okay, so, oh, isn't it great stuff, guys? Isn't it? Ooh, that's scary, isn't it? That's coming up. Okay, all right. So let's jump back into this, guys. Let's jump back in, jump back in. Okay, so there you go. There you go. Now you see it. So former NSA operative expounds on Clinton scam. Oh, wait, that's a, uh, is that a link? Oh, are we done? Oh, that was, that was the end of the, uh, that was the end of the story. It looks like it says here, um, cause these are all links here. Uh, so Aaron Marie's report to Instagram and like most things on their sister company, Facebook, it seems this was just fine to post and met their community standards. Okay. So this is what she received. You anonymously reported Cage Jackson's photo for hate speech symbols. We reviewed Cage Jackson's photo and found that it does not go against our community guidelines. Um, okay. So I think that one. Okay, it's possibly due to several things. Do pedophiles, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Do pedophiles actually rule the world? Okay, I mean, I do, but anyways, I have an opinion. Anyways, it says here, uh, first, it was discovered that Cage Jackson is actually Karim Christensen. He's been arrested on child porn charges. In August of this year, uh, Cincinnati.com reported a member of Covington's Human Rights Commission was arrested this week after child pornography was found in his home police said. Karim uh, Christensen, 38, is charged with possession and distribution of child pornography after a, after a dating profiled linked him uh, tipped off authorities. When I say I want kids, I mean it, the Match.com profile said according to court documents. It also said he was attracted to children between the ages of 4 to 10. Oh my God, that is so sick, y'all. It says, Covington officials said Christensen serves on the Covington Human Rights Commission, a citizen board nominated by the mayor and are subject to the approval of the Covington Board of Commissioners. The board meets once a month. That kind of makes you wonder what the heck is going on in Covington, Kentucky, right? It was in Kentucky because he, if you, he had all of those hashtags, ladies and gentlemen, that means that, you know, anyone who serves on the board with him, any mayor from Covington, if they were to look into a hashtag, look at this, look at this. Where's that? Covington, Kentucky, Covington, Kentucky, right? 
like anyone who they could have seen this. Oh, look at this, guys. Covington, Kentucky, live free. Oh, God. Okay, so guys, all right. So isn't that interesting, right? I think that's pretty interesting. Um, so they they he worked on a human rights board of all things, a human rights commission. That's where usually these predators end up, right? I'm surprised he wasn't working for like, you know, big brothers uh, or you know, big brothers, big sisters of Kentucky or something like that, you know. Anyways, I guess he couldn't since he'd been convicted. It says Covington officials said Christensen serves on the Covington Human Rights Commission, a citizens board nominated by the mayor and are subject to the approval of the Covington Board of Commissioners. A city spokesman told the Inquirer the Christensen's removal from the board is being discussed. Christensen was first appointed to the board in April 2016 and was reappointed in August 2018. His current term on the board expires in May 2021. Covington police officials said a tip about Christensen was sent to them from the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. Police said Christensen's IP address matched that of a Match.com user who described himself as being attracted to children between the ages of 4 to 10. Investigators seized computer equipment, cellular devices, printed pictures, and other evidence they say shows Christensen had child porn and was distributing it. Additionally, after detectives interviewed him, they arrested him and he was locked up on a $25,000 bond. However, apparently he is awaiting trial. After a viral outrage took place due to Aaron's post, Covington Police Department felt the need to respond. The Covington Police Department wrote, we have received several calls and inbox messages reference to an Instagram account portraying a self-proclaimed pedophile and young boy lover living in Covington. Due to the viral momentum of this post, we wanted to let everyone know that this subject was investigated about three months ago. He was arrested on dozens of counts of possession of matter portraying a, sexually, a sexual performance by a minor. The subject has already been indicted and is awaiting trial in Kenton County. Thank you to all the concerned citizens who took time to report the account in an effort to keep the community safe. Perhaps that is what led to the account being taken down. But the obvious question is, with all the evidence that they have on this man and his flaunting his lust of children in everyone's face, why have they not proceeded with dealing with this criminal? I'll tell you why. The judges are probably overwhelmed with non-crimes of speeding and possession of plants and other ridiculous things that the beast writes about as writes as law in order to make money for themselves rather than to deal with actual crimes. They have a self-professed pedophile who has been waiting over three months for trial. Meanwhile, you don't think children are at risk here? Finally, this just goes to show that all those Pizzagate symbols are real and that despite gatekeepers like self-proclaimed news nutritionist uh, like NewsGuard claims Pizzagate is fake news, the evidence suggests otherwise. Okay, so there's that. What an article, guys. Ugh, man, I'm going to have to take a shower after this, guys, because I'm going to feel I'm going to feel filthy. All right, here's one. Uh, this comes from News Wars. Favorite drag queen story time author likes pedophile Instagram posts. And actually, uh, this is uh, this is another article involving pedophilia and Instagram, but it also is going to tie into drag queen story hour, which is something else we'll be talking about in just a minute. So let's see what this one has to say, guys. 
It's Family Proud Month, ladies and gentlemen. Let's talk about all of these deviants to society, right? Okay, Family Proud Month. June, ladies and gentlemen, is Family Proud Month, okay? I'm going to call it that from now on. Family Proud Month is in June, okay. All right, so uh, let's see what this article says. I know, right? We're all going to have to take a bath, just not together after this, guys, because <laughs> we're going to feel filthy. Ugh. A children's author whose books are frequently read at drag queen story hours across the country was caught liking an Instagram picture posted by a proud pedophile. I wonder if it's the same guy, right? Do you think it's the Covington guy? A screenshot shows kid author Todd Barnes liked an image of a triangle spiral tattoo, which is a symbol for a boy lover. The hashtags accompanying the photo include hashtag YBL, gay pedo pedo. It's got to be the Covington guy, right? You think it's the Covington guy? When was this article? When was this article produced? 2019. It might be the Covington guy. It says conservative actress, uh, uh, excuse me, actress. I thought she was, is she an actress? Mindy Robinson? Or did they mean activist, right? Anyways, uh, it says conservative actress Mindy Robinson called the author out on Twitter writing, hey, Todd Parr, is there a particular reason that you, a, chi a children's book author, would like a pro-pedophile Instagram post? I feel like even if you pretend to not know what the symbol means, that the hashtags were a dead giveaway. I like Mindy Robinson. <laughs> That's awesome. Good job, Mindy. Okay. Good job. Look, it is the Covington guy. Isn't that a coinky dink, ladies and gentlemen? Likes, and there's the author, right? Ooh, oh, so disgusting. It says, uh, check out another post from the proud uh, from the proud pedo getting inked and bragging about his young boy lover tattoo. Oh, I don't even want to there. Okay, so Kate, yeah, it's the Covington guy, right? Okay, what was his name again? Karam, Karam, whatever. Okay, so yeah, I already forgot. Uh, but just in case anyone misses the pedo symbols on his upper thigh, Jackson has a matching tattoo on the inside of his wrist. This dude's sick. Todd Parr, the author who liked the pro-pedophile Instagram post, is a favorite author of the drag queens who read to children at Drag Queen Story Hour. In April, a Drag Queen Story Hour participant in Houston, Texas, was outed as a pedophile. Below is just a sample of Instagram posts Parr is tagged in. Oh, are you guys ready to look at some drag queens reading to uh, children? <laughs> Oh, goodness. Oh, goodness me. Oh, my. Family proud month. Family proud. Look at that. Look at that freak. <laughs> He's like the bearded lady and Ronald McDonald had a fat old man child. Okay. <laughs> I got to get I got to get past this, guys. Hold on. Oh, God. I got to get past it. So this this guy this this is an author of a children's book beloved by drag queens and they use his book for drag queen story hour and this man is going around publicly liking pedographic symbols I mean this man should no longer write children's stories as far as I'm concerned this guy should to this guy needs to go to uh to the Siberian north of Russia okay <laughs> as far as I'm concerned that's where they send the pedophiles isn't it okay so this was an InfoWars story and yeah, News Wars info stories. We still we're still going to share the information. I don't I don't care if I'm not a fan of InfoWars. Okay. So uh that's going to take Okay guys, are you ready? Viewers beware. Something worse than a swamp creature is coming to your screen.
Boom. Ah, okay. Now, this is the photograph, guys, that I think everyone should show one of those virtue signal parents, virtue signaling parents, when they're like, take your kids to Drag Queen Story Hour. Go show them how to be inclusive, right? Go show them how to uh, go show them how to uh, accept uh, grooming, ladies and gentlemen. I, I, what was going on in this person's head, right? They're like, okay, if I can't wear my thong and my g-string and my jock strap in front of the kitties, I'm gonna show my devil horns, right? What kind of kid would want this to read to them? I would be terrified. If something looking like that, that I could not tell if it was a man or a woman, walked into the library and tried to read a book to me, okay? That's horrifying. This is horrifying, right? Like, this might as well be Pennywise's, like, you know, half-cousin or something. Anyways, why did I pull this up? Okay. Oh, that's why. An article from the Epic Times, okay, that I was going to share with you guys, that talked about the dangers for children and women due to things like drag story hour. Okay. So it's a very interesting article and you know, it's uh let me see who was written. It's a long article. So we're not going to dip into the first portions of it. It talks about, see how chill, how child friendly drag um, events can expose children to sex offenders. So I think this is an important, it's important because, you know, we have a lot of legislation that's coming down now in regards to this uh, topic, uh, which is, is absolutely ludicrous that we have to write laws that say you cannot have sexually explicit performances in front of children. And it's not ludicrous because we're barring children from sexually explicit performances. No, America, it's ludicrous because we should not have to write laws like that. This is stuff that we should already know. It's common sense, but you hear this whole, you see here this whole like convergence of all of these uh, wokest ideas, wokest ideas, wokeisms, ladies and gentlemen, and all of these inclusivisms and all of this, uh, this uh, diversityisms and all of that crap uh, has basically just led, it's taken us to this point, you know, it's like I was, um, I was watching a show from the early 2000s the other day and I was like taken aback at how much reference there was to, uh, you know, uh, whether it was um, homosexuality and and including children in that uh, or at least being part of that environment uh, to to uh, pedophilic ideas. All of this stuff was coming out in in the early 2000s where they're talking about men dressing as women and all is all of this stuff. Right. And I was just like, isn't it funny how 20 years later? we're here, right? We're here where like people are so, um, people are so blind to what is actually going and all in the name of, of being loving and inclusive, right? When, when the people who are pushing this, uh, are probably some of the most hate filled and exclusivists, right? Uh, that have ever existed on this planet. And I, and I say that kind of like broadly, but anyways, so uh, let's see what this article it was written by. Uh, it was written by an, what was this guy's, uh, what was this guy's background again? Um, let's see here. Okay. The name of the writer, John Euler. Uh, he's a therapist who treats sex offenders. Um, and he says that in his experience, if a man feels comfortable performing sexual dance in a skimpy woman's outfit for children, he's likely extremely a, he's likely an extreme sexual deviant and poses and pose, poses a risk, a significant risk to women and children. Okay. 
So uh, the first portion of the article, other than talking about who the man is, um, talks about uh, in his in his experience where he thinks these act these uh, inclinations uh, originate. Okay, and that would be in in exposure to things like pornography, pornographic materials, constant exposure to those things, consistent exposure, and stuff like that. Um, because again, see, it says right here, it starts with porn because it, uh, people are not born to be sexual deviants, right? People aren't born to be sexual deviants. Uh, but let's get into this convicted, the convicted sex offenders portion of this article. Again, this is a premium from the Epic Times. I freaking accidentally renewed my subscription. So you're getting an article and, and good for it, right? It says in the past four years, at least eight American drag performers accused of sexual crimes have worked with children. The Epoch Times, the Epic Times found seven of these men have been convicted of child sex abuse, child pornography and prostitution. And again, I think, you know, even though this angle, this angle stays pretty fresh, you know, I mean, this 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 topic stays pretty fresh because it's enraging and the people who are pushing this agenda have not stopped okay they are still pushing this agenda they are still trying to push their crap onto kids ladies and gentlemen they're tr still trying to do it so you know this topic still remains fresh but you know the caveats that i would present here may not be the caveats that i would share with this audience but perhaps members of the lgb community who cannot get around their uh their their trump derangement syndrome who cannot get around their their conservative hate syndrome who cannot get around their need to be inclusive and loving and one world you know everyone who has those mental blocks on in the lgb community the ones who cannot honestly look at information and assess <clears throat> the ones who are militant when it comes to these topics right i would be talking to them because they're the ones who are like um all of you conservatives or Republicans or anyone who's on that side of the aisle or who's not on my side of the aisle, you know, you all are making this up. You're all just filled with hate. You guys just want to uh, you guys just want to bring down the community. Uh, there's no such thing as a drag queen that wants to groom a child. There's no such thing as uh, grooming children at drag shows, you know, but that's where the line was so blurred when you're because, you know, that, to to the point, And I think they maybe they even made this point in this article, you know, like drag shows drag queens in general the whole drag culture is it it is it is from its very origins based in sexuality right you know you know you might have like a very prudent boomer who says things like you know, uh, strippers and pole dancers, you know, are, are, are scourges to the society and, and prostitutes and sex workers, right? You're going to get a prudent boomer who's going to say that, right? And then you're going to get like a millennial who's going to say, oh, uh, well, maybe we should have a drag queen story hour. Maybe we should have pole dancer story hour, right? Maybe we should have stripper story hour, right? So this way we can be more inclusive to the sex workers. And we can have our children understand that you can make a living with your body doing just that, ladies and gentlemen. We don't you see where there's no disconnect, you know, and 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 it's all in the name again of diversity and inclusivity. And maybe half the people who don't even think around these days, ladies and anymore, ladies and gentlemen. Anyways, so back to the article, it says three of these men participated in drag queen story hour events for children. And again, seven of those men were convicted of child sex abuse, 
child pornography and prostitution. Okay. Three of them participated in drag queen story hour events for children. Two took part in a reality TV competition. One taught children as a dance instructor. Another mentored young boys wanting to learn how to perform in drag. And yet another performed in all ages drag shows. One drag performer was arrested in 2012 for running a child sex trafficking operation. He became a transgender activist in prison. A man charged with sexual crimes was president of an activist group that facilitated drag queen story hours. It is important to remember that these men are only the ones who got caught, Euler said. Sex crimes often require extensive, extensive investigation and police lack the resources to compete to complete them successfully, a study by the University of Massachusetts Lowell discovered. Uh, and there's another problem. The investigations inflict hardship on victims. Revisiting traumatic events in testimony often crushes the spirit of abuse survivors, the study noted. There are a number of cases where active guys that are on the sex offender registry have been part of Drag Queen Story Hour organizations, uh, Euler said. What has Drag Queen Story Hour done about that? Statistically, more children face sexual abuse in churches or in children's clubs, such as scouting organizations, Euler said. But parents should be aware of trusting their children to any group characterized by the public display of deviant behavior. Okay. They come out in thongs, in bustiers, in boosty cacas, half naked, in nude representations of themselves. It, this is, it's adult content. You know, I mean, there's a reason why they don't let uh, minors into gay bars, you know, uh, and, and there's a reason why they don't allow minors in bars. Right. You know, because it's an adult environment. Right. You know, if I were to be at a bar and I saw a kid in there, I would probably leave. OK, because that is just so inappropriate. It's so inappropriate. And, you know, I know I used to be an alcohol seller's um, um, cer certifier for, for people who sell alcohol. Right? I used to I used to certify alcohol sellers myself. You know, I know the rules and laws. I know that, you know, in some states and in some jurisdictions, a parent can actually enter into a bar with a child. That's not the same across the board, guys. I know. In some certain certain circumstances, as my 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 parents did when I was like, I don't know, like 18, 19, 20. I mean, they would they would sit down and we would have a beer together, right? And, and even though in the state of Texas you have to be 21, uh, because I was with the parental guardian, that was okay, you know, it wasn't frowned upon, it was not illegal. But this is a world of difference, ladies and gentlemen, from like a child going into an actual bar, let alone a child going into a gay bar. And I mean, there are things that would frighten the fish that happen in gay bars, ladies and gentlemen. We're talking about drug use. We're talking about sexual activity, right? I mean, literally, like people are literally doing drugs. And, and I'm not saying this happens all the time. I'm not saying if you were to walk into a gay bar on a Tuesday night that there would be a line out the restroom door for, you know, trying not to be inappropriate. Okay. <laughs> there would not be a line out the door for hard lines and blowjobs, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, I'm not saying that, you know, I mean, there are some places where that stuff does happen, but largely 
these activities do are they are they there is a higher percentage that you will in that you will encounter either a sexual activity or an illegal substance activity at a gay bar than on the street or than at obviously than at church but like anywhere else you have a higher percentage rate of encountering those type of activities at a gay bar. I'm just saying, this is a fact, ladies and gentlemen. I've seen it with my own eyes dozens of times. Like I haven't been out to the bars in years, but you know, when I was a young tyke, not a child, a legal one, okay? Let me tell you some of the things, I wouldn't even write it in a book, ladies and gentlemen, some of the things that I've seen. Okay, so let's finish with this article. Yeah, I'm just, you know, we're not here to, we're not here to learn about my personal life, right? So uh, it says here, yes, statistically, more children face sexual abuse in church or in children's clubs. Um, but uh, the sexually deviant behavior, that's what it was all about. It was supposed to be subversive, right? When we're talking about the whole drag queen culture, it was a sexual revolution or whatever you want to call it. You know, it says here, boys and girls learning burlesque. A drag show also creates a perfect environment for sexual grooming said Amy Sousa, a psychologist specializing in studying the the way our senses inform our thinking. But using that term in relation to children's exposure to drag or LGBT lifestyle details, um, uh, details angers some. Even the Associated Press, which informs most mainstream media organizations on how to use words consistently across the news industry, has strictly advised journalists not to use the word grooming in reference to interactions between LGBT people and children. The AP Guide advises, generally avoid the often false terms grooming or groomer, which some people use to stoke fears about LGBT people's interactions with children or education about LGBT people, comparing their actions to those of child molesters. But drag absolutely constitutes the normalization of adult sexuality placed in front of kids, Sosa told the Epic Times. Grooming is defined as the slow erosion of boundary violations over time, she said. And child-friendly drag events certainly violate sexual boundaries. In other cases, we would, we would not have pole dancers for kids or stripper story hour or even burlesque story hour, she said. By watching drag shows, children get comfortable with the idea of receiving money for erotic performances. Then she added, they may imitate this behavior. Sousa said, this is teaching them the total objectification of their own bodies, that their bodies, just like these men's bodies, are commodifiable objects to be bought and sold for money. Children who see these things start feeling comfortable with doing sexual dance at the request of strangers, Sousa said. Even if they're not stripping down to their underwear, even stripping off a coat to reveal an undergarment. That's them practicing stripping behavior. It's not likely that a child will become a victim of sexual assault at a drag show, Sousa said, but visiting the show can lay the groundwork for child abuse. Why do adult men who are self-sexualizing as women want to perform for kids, Sousa asked. We have to just look at the most obvious answer, which is that they want access to children. 
Furthermore, dramatic public sexual displays often shape children as they grow into adulthood and sexual maturity. Under normal circumstances, children figure out feelings of sexual desire as they grow up without dramatic adult interference. Sousa said, the Beatles sang songs like, I want to hold your hand. This is a very wholesome, natural progression if you're starting to have romantic feelings for someone else. But introductions to sexuality by scantily dressed drag performers will leave lasting imprints on children. Sousa went on to say, as adults, we can see something sexual and reject it. But a child does not have the cognitive capacity to reject the things that are in front of him or her. So these images are just living in them. Yet despite these dangers, many parents take children to child-friendly drag shows anyway because they see it as a way to put the virtue of their own open-mindedness on display. Those parents value virtue signaling over common sense, said Sousa. We have forgotten as a culture that children's innocence deserves to be protected. Preventing pedophilia. Parents should keep children away from drag shows, Euler advises, and people should boycott companies that support child-friendly drag events, which I hear Bud Light Anheuser-Busch is now going to be sponsoring. Did they call it the world's biggest? No, no, no. Wait, I take it back. Joe Biden's White House is doing the biggest pride event. I don't think it's child-friendly. It probably will be. Right? He'll probably have the children in the basement with his ice cream. But I hear Anheuser-Busch is now going to be sponsoring. Was it Anheuser-Busch or Target? One of those woke companies that's really taken a bite because of their wokeism is going to host. It's like they're tripling down, ladies and gentlemen. It's pretty crazy, right? But that's a recommendation that I would have to agree with. We must boycott companies that have child-friendly drag events. They also should seek to exert control of local government institutions like libraries. And parents need not be afraid to speak up if they see behavior that could harm a child or be a gateway to abuse by a possible pedophile. The toying with the public, seeing how stupid adults are, that's half the fun for a psychopath, Euler said. Normal people tend to back off rather than call out pedophiles' behavior because making accusation feels offensive, said Euler. But to fight psychopaths, people need to go on the offensive. Parents should not allow their desire to embrace inclusivity to cloud their judgment in protecting their children. Parents should be completely willing to exclude dangerous men from access to their youngsters. Inclusivity, said Sousa, is a great value for a third grade birthday party. But inclusivity is not an appropriate value set when you are trying to create boundaries because boundaries are necessarily exclusive. Pretty crazy, right, ladies and gentlemen? I mean, isn't it insane that we have to refresh a segment of the world and the entire mainstream media apparatus to include industry and, uh, and marketing, right? That we have to refresh them, that these things are wrong and they're not socially acceptable even in the year 2023, ladies and gentlemen. That's what's up. That's crazy. I mean, it is, it is remarkably crazy, ladies and gentlemen, that we are dealing with these situations in our everyday life nowadays. And it sucks that the, uh, that the Overton window for exception of deviant behavior in our society, and especially in regards to our children, has gotten to the point that it has.
All right, ladies and gentlemen, and it looks like that is going to bring us to a close for today's... Oops, whoops, sorry, guys. All right, ladies and gentlemen, and it looks like that is going to bring us to a close for today's episode of The Sea Report. Uh, if you liked what you saw today, please make sure you hit the like button, the rumble button, the red pill button, whatever button it is that uh, specifies your approval of today's proceedings. I'd greatly appreciate it. Uh, if you'd like to tune into the show again and you don't want to miss it live, make sure you hit that follow button so you can get notifications as well, ladies and gentlemen. Okie doke, guys. I think that's going to do it. It's about to be 4 p.m. here in the great state of Texas. And uh, I hope you all will be enjoying the rest of your evenings. Again, if you were with us in the uh, in the uh, audience today, looks like we had Justice Song, Tam Growl, and a couple others hanging out. Oh, man, you guys are just hanging out. Tam Growl says, Elon seems to be a CCP Trojan horse. Um, let's see. I don't, I, I don't know about him with the CCP. Maybe there's an article you read that I haven't read. But yeah, I mean, establishment, right? Okay. Um, let's see here. And then what else? Did you happen to see the Pentagon shut down a dry clean, a drag queen story hour in, and one of the military bases here? Oh, Justice Song. Yeah, well, they were having, wasn't it the Air Force that was having like a drag queen? Uh, it wasn't a story hour. It was like a drag event for children, I think. I don't know. And then they had to shut that one down. I did hear about that. <laughs> a dry clean. I saw that. Yeah, I bet Mr. C didn't see the video. The Satanists dressed how the devil's reading books to young children's Satan's. I did not see that video. You can send me that link, maybe. Uh, <laughs> okay. All right, guys. Thanks for hanging out in the audience today, you two, you, you two lovelies. Thanks for being here. Okay, guys. All right. We're going to go ahead and call this one a close. Another one in the books for the C Report. We'll be back again sooner than later. Once again, hit that uh, hit that follow button if you'd like to get those notifications and be here with us live. And if you're catching this on the replay, Thanks for being here on the replay. Make sure you hit that like button as a consolation for not catching us live. All right, guys. Uh, I'm Mr. C again. Michael Aaron Costa is signing out. As always, be safe, be blessed. God bless America. We'll see you shortly. Take care. Until then. Ta-ta. <laughs>